0: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
2: Hello, and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a psychotherapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And, and I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. You could just say therapist from now on. Psychotherapist, psych, legal. It's a lot of... Okay. Well, I <laughs> want to wanna use the, the proper terminology. Yes. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll use therapist yes. for shorthand. That would be good. Okay. Okay. So Perfect. We've solved that. Then the next thing we need to do is get a
1: theme song where we have that, you know built in yeah so we have to say it
2: over we'll have to start working on that <laughs> yes well we'll get steve on that producer steve yeah. if you're listening we need a um we need a theme song we need a theme song intro okay. anyway today we're going to be talking about the documentary that's currently on peacock casey anthony where the truth lies Ooh. and wow
1: this was this was a lot this three-part and you know who directed this she also directed that Secrets of Playboy oh that got this woman has seen some well
2: I'm glad that she only made this one three episodes because I could not have handled 10 episodes it it was a lot um yeah so anyone who's been living under a rock for the last you know 10 15 years uh Casey Anthony in 2011 was charged with first-degree murder uh, accused of killing her three-year-old daughter. Yeah, I think she was almost three. Three-year-old daughter Kaylee, and you know, we were just talking about when the when this was all happening. Um, and the trial was in 2011, right? Yeah, but she the the death was in 20 2008. To, no, I 2008.
1: Thought... That's when she was. She was born in 2005.
2: Okay, and she went missing. In June of 2008. Okay, and the trial was in... And the trial was in 2011. 2011. Oh, that that took a long time. Yes, she was in jail for three years, Casey Anthony. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, neither one of us at the time paid attention because you had a baby and I had a toddler and I was, you know, I had a little girl. I really didn't want to watch something about a murder of a little girl. And also, I was so turned off by the media coverage because... Mm -hmm. Back then, we had on television every day, people like Nancy Grace, the worst. She is the worst. She's ruined people. She's so mean. She's just... For no reason. I mean, she's so uh, angry. I mean, she literally yells. She doesn't talk. She yells. And then we had Geraldo. There's Dr. Drew, Dr. Oz. Yes. All all of them. them. And then they'd have these guests on that just, they all just every night just would Mm -hmm. rake this woman over the coals and they don't for they don't know anything yeah they don't have any special knowledge or expertise they're not privy to what the defense is doing or what the defense knows
1: we have a real problem in our country our our legal system we cannot people do not seem to understand guilty until proven you know innocent yeah innocent until proven guilty like someone gets charged with something they take all of the facts exactly how they want to see it and this is what this whole entire case was about was about biases and how you see things and how you think people should or should not act and then taking that through your own lens of your own life and your own experiences and then making a conclusion from there Yeah, And that's exactly what this entire case was.
2: Yeah. And, you know, um, despite our past misgivings about juries, the jury in this case, they got it right. They They acquitted her. And we'll talk about why. But anyway, she she was also very lucky to have a really, really good defense. She did. And so I
1: wanted to ask you about this. I had a few legal questions. Mm -hmm. But what, what the first one was. Because this guy, Jose Baez he of course, he also represented Aaron Hernandez and he got acquitted. Yeah. Too. This guy's good. If you're in Florida, right. and you got something, <laughs> go find this guy. So what I understand was I think in the back of my mind assume that her family was paying for this this legal defense. So how in God's name did she pay for these top I mean, there was a team of eight well, people. I'm assuming they were so, court
2: appointed oh but how this jose bias guy how did he get well he okay so this is a death penalty case okay Um, had a death penalty attorney yeah so i don't know what the law is in florida but the law in california is if you're if you're on trial and the death penalty is on the table then you are entitled to two lawyers and at least one of the lawyers has to be what they call death qualified which okay. which means that you've had a certain amount of experience trying death penalty cases. Whoops, sorry.
1: <laughs> I just tried to do something. <laughs> Things are knocking over.
2: So, th- they said in the documentary that Jose was not death qualified, mm. so he hadn't been like second chair that's what you so you have a first chair and a second chair Mm -hmm. and once you've been the second chair for a certain number of trials you can move up to first chair okay so i don't know how it it works out in florida but anyway they needed a a death qualified attorney so then this guy cheney mason Mm -hmm. came on and i am assuming that they were court appointed and if you're you know it's very hard to get that level of experience to be death qualified so these are good lawyers these were all really yeah the whole team and they have a budget of you know they have a, a budget where they can hire experts and um consultants and whatnot and but this guy cheney mason he said In the documentary that he he said that he spent $1 million on this trial. And that's why I'm confused. Well, because I think what happened was, obviously, court-appointed only gets paid, you know, whatever the mandated rate is. And they have a budget. I think that he came out of pocket for more money to hire better experts or, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I, I can't think of any other way to interpret that i'm, I'm not really sure so,
1: and, and that was why i was wondering if jose was this hot shot legal defense attorney and that he had the money in the backing that maybe he came in with this idea of this is a huge case, right, right? A huge he wanted the attorney, the notoriety yeah, yeah. And, i mean it made him famous so i was wondering if maybe he wasn't court appointed but that he swooped in and kind of said hey well I want to represent you. This is my team. You know, we'll pay for things and we'll,
2: you know. Yeah, it could work. That could have been true. They didn't address it in the documentary. But I'll tell you, there's no way her family was paying for that.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, the family's not paying. Like, I knew I figured that out, I think because I didn't know enough about the case and I knew she had him as her attorney. I think in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, this family must have a little bit of money and they've, Mm. you know, I had no idea that the family was what the family is like, right. none of that was I I didn't pay attention to that part because you just see the headlines so let's should we start from the beginning let's from the beginning of the documentary Because we start by, you know, seeing Casey Anthony today Mm -hmm. and they rent her a home to do all of these interviews and to live in, I guess, while she's doing all this, because she feels very um, she wants her privacy. She doesn't want people to know where she lives. And um, and you you immediately when you first meet her and she's putting up pictures of Kaylee and, you know, you, you really get the sense of. She is so guarded. She is so guarded. Like, there's this wall. You can feel it immediately around, like, what are
2: you going to think of me? Yeah. And maybe we should also just say right out the gate, just briefly, um, that she was charged with murder after her daughter's body was found. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, the remains, just skeletal remains of her daughter was found, wrapped up in a bag with duct tape tape around the bag something like 15 houses away from her house Mm -hmm. where she lived in florida with her parents so she was um 19 when she became pregnant she was raped and so there was no father in the picture i think she she named some guy as the father
1: i think she started she she says she said i was raped at 18 i told no one Mm -hmm. i didn't do anything about it i didn't think anyone would believe me because i was at a party and and um she then um what started dating someone i think after the rape but before she knew she was pregnant and i think she named him as the father and i think he believed he was the father for the first couple years or first
2: well i think i thought it was i thought that after a few months he had some suspicions and then they had a dna test yeah i remember them
1: talking about that but i can't remember what the outcome yeah well figured out he wasn't the father
2: yeah he was out of the picture so she was living with her parents in their home in florida i can't remember the the city well they're right outside of orlando they're right. right they're by universal yes yeah. okay so um the, and so it comes to the attention of the police through a phone call from casey's mother she calls 911 and she says my granddaughter has been missing for 31 days mm. and then she puts Casey on the phone, and the 911 operator starts asking her questions. You know, well, where is your child? Who is she with? And she initially says that she's with this, she names this woman who's not, not a real person. Zanny the nanny. And says that that's her nanny, and she left her with her. And basically, you know, the police get involved. She tells a series of lies. You know, this will come into to. It'll become more clear later why. But she lies, tells the police a lot of lies and kind of leads them down a rabbit hole. And then they end up um, finding the remains. Eventually, they, f- they identify the body. And so she's already in jail for this
1: because she gets arrested. She's lying to the police about everything. Mm-hmm. And and then she gets arrested for lying for obstruction of justice and lying to the police so she's in jail and and until they find you know and then they find the body and then they and they charge her and they charge her for the arrest for um for the arrest and then also child neglect that was the other
2: but the police the, the investigators detectives who were on, involved in the case they really did not pursue any other suspects they honed in on her they just honed in on her even though technically you're supposed to also look at other family members and you're supposed to look at everybody as a suspect until you eliminate them Mm -hmm. and they never seriously considered anybody other than her Mm -hmm. and they were particularly drawn in by her father george because he was an ex-police officer very smooth talker and he you know acted overly cooperative with them and offered them all kinds of information basically told them that his daughter was just a total liar you can't mm-hmm. believe what she says uh, kind of trying to deflect any attention away from yeah. himself or anybody else and put it all on Casey and they 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 did not and they just did a horrible job yeah
1: well they claim towards the end of the documentary when things come out that they did look at George but they no you didn't no you you decided these attorney these cops from moment one and they say that from moment one your child is missing 31 days he's not upset enough she's lying to us and if you're if you're a liar then therefore you know you're pathological and therefore you are a murderer right they make these huge leaps from what you know from their perception again this is all about what you believe you know your own biases and what you believe and how you process them in your brain
2: they also said that she was not acting like yes a, a grieving or you know like a concerned mother whose child was missing during those 31 days they had pictures of her like at clubs and uh going out and although she did say a lot of the pictures they had weren't even from that time period they which
1: I didn't know which again n- nobody has ever said like there's one picture of her over a toilet she's like that's my 21st birthday like that wasn't so during the 31 days
2: um, she she did go out and she was doing things but, but she was working because she was also yeah she she, her, was her parents didn't know this but she she said that she was trying to save up enough money to move out yes. of their house so she had been working at Universal Studios with that job ended and then she got a job working in clubs at night doing mm-hmm. promotions or yeah. something and her boyfriend also worked in the clubs but she didn't want to tell her parents this she didn't want them to know that she was making all this money and she said those pictures were taken she says i don't even have a drink in my hand in any of those pictures she's like mm-hmm. yeah i was there at the club working yeah promoting and also you know we'll talk more about this later her mental state was yeah uh, <laughs> she was not yeah she was not acting like a a, a grieving person she was literally shut down like mentally trying to protect herself yeah but that will get more in that later because that's gets into that's the next step yeah that's a lot but
1: yeah so instantly because she didn't report it for 31 days and the combination of that and the fact that she kept lying there you know the media and everyone they took this narrative which is she's a terrible mom and of course she didn't want to have a child she wanted to she wanted to party and so she she killed her daughter so that she can party with her friends that's that's (laughs) yeah period period (laughs) yeah um and Casey very much owns her lies and what she said and she said because she stole a friend's checkbook she was you know she got a tattoo she did all of these things and so she owns the fact that she stole that money that she was um you know, I think there's a there's a video of her at Target, like buying food and people are like, there's no food in there for a child. and so like, you know, she's got a big case of Bud Lights. And and so everything she did during that time um, was scrutinized. But again, it was presented as all negative towards her. It wasn't presented of these three pictures here were from this time frame. And then she went and did this. Then she went to do that. It was just these images that were splashed on TV over and over and over again.
2: Yeah, and they show, you know, there's people in Florida who are standing outside yeah, her her house with these signs that say you're a baby killer. And it was, yeah, it was like an angry mob. Yeah. yeah. And people who didn't even know her were just hysterical over, yeah. you know.
1: Well, what was also interesting, so then they, the then the, it moves on to Casey's story. And so she admits I was lying to the police. You know, she tells us the part, the photos of her partying were over a three year period. And they interview her friend, a friend who says she was a good mom. She was really present and she was there. And my favorite two interviews are of, she had a boyfriend at the time, Tony Lazaro. And so we meet, Two of Tony's former roommates, Clint, mm, Clint, and who's the other guy? Wrote his name down in all my notes. Clint and Cameron. So Clint and Cameron are very much right. Like they're the roommates, and they've spent time with Casey and Kaylee. And they were like, she was a good mom. She always, you know, she had stuff for her. She would come over with a backpack. There were toys. There were snacks. There was this. There were that. She's a, you know, she was a good mom. And and they also showed the police interviews that they interviewed a bunch of her friends who all said she is a good mom and i was like i never
2: saw any of that on the nightly news like that was never part of any of these stories they they just they seized on anything in you know any inconsistent statement or lie or whatever and that's all that they talked about Mm -hmm. so
1: then they get into casey has a history of lying And that she you know that there's always and she owns that and that that a lot of her lies there was always some truth involved but then it was a lie and she says you know i lied because i had to lie because i've been lying for my entire life my family a whole family is a lie
2: yeah and she started talking about how it started with her parents um relationship so her father was they, they said it was an ex-cop working with, security yeah now working security which leads me to believe that maybe he got fired from his police yeah. officer job because why would you quit being a police officer he's not that old yeah, it, yeah. What, why would you quit that when you're still relatively young to go be a security guard mm-hmm. because you got fired yeah so he's he's got probably got some shady something going on and her mother was a nurse and worked all the time to support mm-hmm. the family. The father was like financially not supporting yeah. the family. Well,
1: apparently, he stole money from
2: the mom's
1: investment from her, oh from her, her retirement. retirement. Yeah, and he cheated her on, cheated on her all the time. And we will learn that even while looking for cable, yeah, he was trolling women. Yes, that to me that
2: yes. Like, so yeah her family was supposed to be this great all-american family lived in a cute little house and so she had to keep all these secrets and keep this facade going and there was even a darker secret that she had to her entire life keep um and she reveals and this came out in the trial um You know, she reveals from the age of 8 to 12 Mm -hmm. that her father came into her bedroom, pretty much sounded like nightly, almost, and raped her. Mm -hmm. And that when she turned 12, he stopped and started uh, sending her brother in to molest her. I guess he never had, you know, penetration with her. was, she said, from 12 to 15. And this is what I was wondering,
1: because the stuff that the father stopped... When she's 12 and then it started up with the brother i don't know what the t- lag time was between the two and what i was wondering is did the father also molest the brother mm. and the brother was then acting out and then molesting casey mm. do you know what I mean? yeah in the back of my mind i was like i'm wondering if something was going on with the brother as well and then right because a lot of people that they, they perpetuate the cycle this right. is very very common for someone to who has been molested to molest and so that's what i was just wondering if the brother because the way she described it with the brother it seemed like he was almost like he would like reach under her shirt and touch her breast, like kind of that same thing like that Duggar kid mm-hmm. you know that josh josh dugger who's now in prison you know what he did to his sisters which is you know using them as a an anatomy doll or something right like,
2: yeah let me
1: explore this oh i have a sister let me go into her
2: room like so unreal because what i thought when she said that her father stopped raping her at 12 i thought well maybe she got her period uh uh-huh. and That's so he he probably stopped and then yeah i don't i don't know what the connects what the connection is with the brother but she never told the mom and the mom
1: this is right a perfect storm mom's working all the time yeah mom was a, a nurse so she's working these 14 16 hour shifts. And she never told her mom, but she did tell her mom when she was 19. And we don't ever really hear
2: what what the mom does. Well, she only told the mom about her brother, not about her father. Oh, that's her right. Okay. Yeah. And her mother called her. She said, well, that's why you're such a whore. Oh, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. How can I forget that? <laughs> I just forgot to write it down. Oh.
2: Yeah. So her mom was no help. Yes. But she said she couldn't bring herself to talk about the father even speak it or you know that came much later yeah
1: but she gets pregnant and then she lies to the family about the pregnancy and apparently because i was looking at some articles lee her brother um and lee adamantly denies that any of this ever happened that he never molested her and so does the father so does george um but that um I was just reading this article where Lee says, I didn't know anything about the pregnancy. Like she started to show and I I was asking her about it Mm -hmm. and they all lied to me and that that really, he was hurt because he was like, why are you all lying to me? You know? And just so weird. Like, why, why wouldn't you want to talk about this? Because she was young, because she wasn't married. Like if she's having this baby, people aren't going to baby. like, you can't keep lying about it. It was just so bizarre, but You know her. Her father was a big liar, and you know she became. She was like, "I lied. I lied. I became my father. Like I just started
2: lying about everything, anything I could lie about." Yeah, and yeah, that was the culture in their home, Mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, they tried to keep everything perfect. So we can't talk about this pregnancy until we have to. Yes, Um,
1: and that was a big thing because her father, her father, um, told Casey to. Lie to the police, you know. Oh, that's right. Her, she, what she's claiming is, my father told me to lie to them, which is why she, you know, lied to them about where the where Kaylee was, why she took him to Universal Studios, even though she didn't work there, like all of these things.
2: Yeah, he told her to tell the police exactly what she had told her mother, Mm -hmm. so that it would match. Yeah, but of course, everything she told her mother was a lie. So. So what what and I
1: was a little unclear about this because she does say this is what happened, which is her father took Kaylee in the middle of the night. Then she remembers the father coming back with Kaylee's lifeless body and saying an accident happened. Something happened to Kaylee. She doesn't know. Then dad leaves again. And then the next morning she wakes up and he basically tells her. I've got Kaylee. Don't worry, she's okay. That this part always conf- that really confused me about what 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 happened in this evening. You were asleep.
2: Well, I, it wasn't the okay. evening. What you okay. okay, so we're now we're going forward quite a bit. She did not reveal this. Well, I don't think until she made this documentary. Yes, yes, yes. Parting yes, the Right. right. Yes. So when she was going through the trial, she told her defense team about the molestation and the rape and because they told her look they're trying to kill you you need to tell us everything and come clean so in the trial that was part of her defense and but she did not tell her defense team at the time what she said in the documentary mostly because she had hadn't gone through the process of unpacking it in her brain she has spent the last 10 years doing therapy, mm-hmm. um, she she talks about how she puts all her memories in a box, each yeah. memory is in a box. And she developed this kind of dissociative. Which is very common for trauma victim. Disorder, right. Yeah. Like you, you compartmentalize these things, you put them away because your brain absolutely cannot handle them, mm-hmm. especially if, as a young person. So it took her all this time of therapy and unpacking everything and being away from her family to put it all together and say what exactly happened. So in the trial, they didn't have the benefit of this story. So they went with this story of an accidental drowning mm-hmm. because they had to have something, Yeah, you know, they, they couldn't just go in there and say, well, she was molested mm-hmm. because you can't jump from, well, she was molested to, you, you know, right. right. They had to have something to fill it in. So they used the, Maybe she drowned in the back pool story. But 10 years later, she says what really happened was she took a nap with Kaylee in her bed. Mm-hmm. And oh, the the it's the middle of the day. It's the middle of the day. No. It's so the middle of the day. Her mom is at work. Of course. Yeah. And she said that, well, backing up a little bit, because of what her father did to her she was always very protective of Kaylee Mm -hmm. she never left Kaylee alone with him she didn't leave her out of her sight you know she knew I mean and that's why she was trying to save up money to Mm -hmm. move out of there because she want to live that way and she said that when uh Kaylee was just after she was born not too long after she was born her mom discovered her dad was having an affair and kicked him out of the house and it was just her and her mom and Kaylee and she said it was the happiest time Mm. of her life because she was gone she did not have to see him or worry about him and then when he came back she the mom took him back and he came back and she was like I have to get out of here yeah so anyway she was always very protective slept with Kaylee slept with her in the bed she said that Kaylee wouldn't even get out of the bed without her would never get up and just go out in the house and wander around. She told her not to do that. She was trained not to do that. Yeah. So she lies down on the bed. And then I guess she, you know, was in a, I wonder if her father gave her something. Yeah, yeah. Because she said she'd always been very foggy. Yeah, she said she'd always been a light sleeper because she was molested every night. And she's used to hearing, like, you're on on alert. Like, is someone coming into my room? What's happening? But for some reason that day, she slept through this whole thing. And I think he gave her something. Yeah. And she said she woke up to her father um, shaking her Mm -hmm. and said, where's Kaylee? And she's like, what do you mean she's right here in the bed next to me. And then she looks and she's not there. She starts frantically, like, going around the house looking for her and looks all over. She goes outside. And then the interviewer says, well, did you check in the pool? And she said, I didn't have to because I was walking by the side of the house and there was my dad standing there with her in his arms. Mm -hmm. And she was soaking wet. Mm -hmm. Lifeless, you know, limp body soaking wet and she said that he put Kaylee in her arms and she just like collapsed and she uh was she said she was cold and she she just didn't understand like Mm -hmm. what happened had no idea and then her father said well don't worry she's going to be okay I'm going to make sure everything's going to be okay the father took the baby from her and she never saw her again yeah And so she said during that whole 30 days, the father was constantly telling her, don't worry, she's going to, she's okay, she's going to come back, you guys will be reunited soon. And even though that might sound ridiculous, she believed it because she had to have something, of course you don't want to accept your child's dead. Yes. Yes. She had to hold on to something. And so that makes
1: you can, when you hear that, you can really understand why she kept lying to the police. Because I think she kept thinking, oh, I'll just tell them that the baby's with the nanny. And then, but Kaylee will show up anytime. Dad told me. Dad right. told me this. Dad told me that she'll come back. So.
2: And they have uh, footage of him visiting her in jail mm-hmm. and telling her still on the phone in jail. Uh, everything will be fine, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll all be, she'll be back soon, everything will be fine. So that corroborates that, so it's not just her saying something crazy.
1: Well, what's really interesting is up until this point, so she's in jail for the lying, and she starts writing, she meets this woman, Robin McConnell, and she starts, the sense that I get from what they were telling us in the documentary was that she never really, Casey never really talked about the abuse, or ever really even admitted it until she started writing these letters to Robin McConnell about the abuse. That's where she really started to unpack things and talk about things. Um, because I think, I can't remember if this other woman had abuse in her history or not. I don't know. I really think that that feels shady to you. Well,
2: no, I just didn't understand that whole Part with this woman robin because they were in solitary confinement together like i don't know in cells next to each other but they couldn't see each other or talk to each other and she just she writes to her and she says i feel a connection with you and she starts divulging all of these things to her and it's like why that did, that made no sense to me i just kind of ignored that whole. Well,
1: uh, but she said when she was in jail she felt alone she felt scared she felt right isolated she felt all of these things and i think that because she was also away from the family for the first time in probably her whole life right. and they weren't in her ear all the time my guess is i think they saw each other in passing or somehow started to communicate and um and that's how she started to really unpack or talk about the abuse. Yeah. And it was a little odd because they brought
2: Robin in and then we never saw her again. Yeah. Also instrumental in that was the woman who... I I couldn't ever find her name, but she was the mitigation specialist. Mm-hmm. The, um, the bald woman with the big earrings. Yes. Oh, her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing in death penalty cases.
1: Yes. I didn't write her name down. Yeah.
2: Yes. In death penalty cases, they always have someone like a mitigation specialist they call them who because you have to prepare for the prospect that there's going to be a guilty verdict and then you move into the penalty phase of whether the death penalty is imposed you start very early on gathering information about the person's entire life Mm -hmm. everything you know you want to go as deep as you can they go back and they get every record from your childhood your school records your medical records you know police or anything Mm -hmm. um to try to find something you know to show that you know you had trauma you Mm -hmm. had abuse you had and of course it's usually all of that stuff
1: so that's right and then Casey starts telling that woman I keep forgetting her name
2: I I never could find her I never put her name but
1: she and the woman that Casey the mitigation attorney um also had and admit and says I also yeah. was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. And she absolutely aligned with everything Casey was saying and doing like it was for her. It was very much like, Oh yeah, this is how children react, react yeah. when they've been abused. Um, so then um, what's really interesting was that. So, you know, she disappeared in June. She, uh, Kaylee disappeared in June died um then it was reported in july and so they found kaylee's body in um december of 2008 and what's really interesting about this is but they talked about this was the first trial that we had where we had social media Uh uh-huh right on this level that's the one thing that is very different different than the oj trial different than any of these other trials was this was the dawn of facebook and now for the first time you know obviously the internet had been around when people could not blog and anything but social media really made it so that anyone could have an opinion and i think this is also contributes i think that the 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 media itself and how they handled the case they are they are one of the reasons why there's so much information but the other part of it was that there were people on social media constantly again with half information or they're getting all their information from Nancy Grace and yeah. spewing it and then telling their neighbor and doing this and doing that and it but
2: it didn't even feel like information to me it just felt like vitriol yeah and they, it was as if all anybody needed to know about this case was that this was a young mother and she killed her daughter and there's no. And she's not and she did not. act She didn't act properly. And and there's no other person that could have done it. Well, the other part of it, too, is is that, you
1: know, just this whole idea. Again, it's like with women, right? We women should want to be mothers. And if you are a mother, you should not want anything else. And it was the fact that this woman killed her daughter because she wanted to party, right? Like this idea of what the expectations are of, uh, of women yeah it was horribly sexist yeah. very sexist but and a lot of the power of the media and all this a lot of this reminds me of amanda knox mm-hmm. i don't know if you ever watched her documentary but one of the issues with amanda knox was obviously Foxy noxie and and the media and these people that swooped in and, and painted her this way but she was also someone else who didn't react the way in which people felt like she should react when you have someone die in your orbit yeah so
2: so and so the parents then go on a media tour, yeah, the parents mm-hmm. the parents were on every every single show, they started some foundation to help uh find other missing children, which I'm sure all the money went to them. They bought a boat, that, can,
1: like put stuff on the side. This yeah, plan was we're going to buy a boat, and then we're going to put information about missing children on it, and we're just going to go out the boat all day and just you know so that people see the boat i mean it was crazy right so here was my other legal question that i had because as we're bebopping along they start talking about the grand jury mm-hmm. right and the father was all everyone that testified in the grand jury was an was a cop ex- except for ex- him except for george and he so what i don't understand is why are those records sealed why is it that people you can the grand jury is there, I know, to decide whether or not to indict, right? Right. That's what these do. Right. So why are, why is all of that testimony sealed? Why can't we know what the father said in that? Or anyone said?
2: Well, I don't know in Florida, like, what what the law is. But I don't know if it was sealed. Because people in this documentary were making comments about what he said to the grand jury like they knew i could have sworn they said
1: something like someone else said but we couldn't get those records oh so why i just wrote why is grand jury testimony a secret i don't
2: know i don't Maybe.
1: i don't know so here in california if you testify in front of a grand jury is that sealed is that protected is no one ever
2: able to see your testimony i honestly don't know oh, okay I have to look that up yeah so uh-huh. because it, it, grand, grand juries most cases are charged they're just charged mm-hmm. by the DA. Yeah. Um if the 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 use of a grand jury is, you know, if for some reason the DA doesn't want to just straight ahead charge someone for different reasons or they mm-hmm. a lot of times it's political. So like in a high profile case, they don't want to be accused of just you know willy-nilly charging mm-hmm. someone so you put it in front of the grand jury and then you can just say oh well the grand jury indicted them got it yeah and take the take the heat off of you but what they presented seemed very skewed yeah i mean it often is and there's like this old joke where you know a grand jury could indict a ham sandwich yeah. like it doesn't take much yeah it, it really doesn't. It's more perfunctory. Like I said, it's political. Like you don't, as the DA, you, you want to take the heat off of you and say, well, I didn't charge it this way. The grand jury did. But yeah, you're presenting to the grand jury what your case is. And yeah, I mean, the reason for sealing it would be, I guess, to not prejudice, you know, the subsequent trial. You don't want that information mm-hmm. out there and tainting yeah. anything.
1: Um so and then we meet kristen Patton, citizen journalist yes um (laughs) and uh what was interesting is she comes on though you know she says you know after the case i started looking at everything and i started researching everything and she starts to talk about how george contradicted himself all over the place that when he was testifying in court you know um, Casey, you know, he very much had this thing of Casey was a, Casey is a liar. You can't believe her. Um, you know, Kay, we didn't know where Kaylee was. Um, what were some of the other things he was saying? Um, you know, we're these concerned grandparents and there's a weird odor in her car. Right. That was a whole other thing mm-hmm. where he smelled something, you know, off in her car, like maybe a dead body. And the more that he did that, the more that he did that, the more he came across as being really honest that he was just this concerned grandfather, um and that Casey's this big, fat liar, but when Kristen went back and looked at all the the notes and looked at everything and all the places in the media that he was talking, he was talking out of both sides of his mouth, yeah. right? Like in the media, he was a concerned father and concerned grandfather, but in, behind closed doors with the cops, he was oh, it's Casey,
2: he was helped, yeah, he was helping them, and yeah, she says yeah why didn't the media this blogger Kristen yep. she says why didn't the media notice and these it was differences, be- yeah. It was because the media was so fixated they had already villainized Casey mm-hmm. they had already had these George and Cindy on all these shows yeah. already so they were in their pocket they wanted them to keep coming back so they're not going to call them out mm-hmm. and yeah everyone was blind to that because they'd already made up their minds that that this yeah. was Casey and he he testified that I think they He's said the key witness he the was he was the key witness. He was their first witness. And he testified a total of five times, you know, coming back on the stand for rebuttal and different stuff. And his and the other inconsistency was he kept saying that um, he kept saying that it was an accident mm-hmm. gone wrong, you yeah. know, an accident out of control. But yet he's testifying for the um, prosecution who wants to kill her. Yeah. So if all your child did was, you know, th- there was an accident and he said something about how he didn't think that um, Casey could hurt anybody or something to that mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. Um, Yeah, said he told Larry King that he didn't think that she could hurt anyone. He called it an accident, but participated in trying to kill her. Like, Mm -hmm. why would he want to, why would he want Casey to die because of an accident? Yeah.
1: Well, the other thing was that even though he was the key witness, because he was the grandfather of the victim, right. he and Cindy were allowed in the courtroom. Right. So part of the inconsistency was that George was there the whole time. And then he sees something that contradicts him. So he can just go right up there. and
2: like, oh, fill know, in the blanks. for yeah. yeah. No, that was, was utterly. I didn't that know. was awful. They should have. Really awful. They should have excluded him. That's what you always do. Witnesses are always excluded. Yes. I mean, that yes, was
1: that's one of the reasons why. Right. If he's gonna, I'm sorry, but if you're gonna if you're gonna testify in this case, then he doesn't get to be there. I'm sorry, this was your granddaughter. If if people get up in arms about that. But then we're now in the third part of this documentary, and we see, hands down, one of the greatest moments ever was Clint and Cameron. (laughs) <laughs> they going. they flipped doing a full 180 before our eyes yeah the most bizarre thing i've ever witnessed in my entire life and i was a little bit like why do we keep going
2: back to well two yeah boys? i was who are this guy's roommate i kept saying the same thing i'm like clint again like oh, yeah. what clint and clint was going on dr oz and you know and yes, and i yeah. was like why is he even in this documentary and then it hit me in the end he was symbolic of all the uninformed people yes he was because the the director or you know whoever was questioning him she started saying well did you know this and did you know about this and she started Mm -hmm. explaining the 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 effect the effective abuse and all this kind of stuff and then he's like uh, and she explained that concept of how george is trying to kill her for an accident you know and and then you see him just shift he's like Oh my God! No, that's terrible. Yes. Well, the best was was that he
1: said something before he realized his mistakes. He said, "Well, she kept saying that it was Zanny the nanny, Zanny the nanny, and that's and I think he said says, says this. I think Xanax is the, Zanny is Xanax, and that in that Casey gave um, Kaylee Xanax and would do that so that she could party. And then, and then they ask him, like, well, do you have any evidence of that? Do you have any evidence whatsoever of this? No. Yeah. No. So Zanny is actually a real person that Casey had met, is someone's babysitter, not hers. And it's got nothing to do with xanax and yeah. you know but that was where did he get where, that idea just the thing is is that he was on social media on facebook and my friend from high school said right and xanax and that's what that means it's like oh okay
2: and cameron also said so seemed to be the more together of the two but he, he also was Ugh. he said something very profound so you know the, the the director said the same kind of things to him you know that she said to Clint about did you realize this did you know this and he was like no and and then the director asked him well why do you think that George would do that you know his inconsistent yeah. lies and and he said something so raw and unfiltered and on point he said well to cover his tracks that's the only logical explanation and i was like yes cameron you just summed up this entire case in that one moment get yourself into law school yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: but this this also goes back to right the, the problem that we have in you know besides social media is that i it really irritates me that we do not hold journalists you know to a better standard to a higher standard
2: right oh yeah Why because they not- they're not journalists Nancy Grace is not a journalist yeah i mean and this is what irritates me i mean i like dr drew but i don't i, I hate seeing,
1: him i don't feel like but seeing dr drew go in there and say she's a sociopath she's yeah like, dr drew come you're a doctor. You haven't evaluated her. You, you don't know, like all of these people have never met her, don't know anything. And you know how it rolls. I mean, I've been on TV and talked about things, too. They give you they say you have like essentially they say, can you do this tomorrow? And they ask you a bunch of questions and then you're on TV and, you know, they want your expert opinion, but they have the right to cut it however they want to do it however they want. But what but with no sense you have when you're one of these quote unquote experts
2: you you're just giving your opinion based on the facts that they're laying out yeah and you've never examined the person yeah. oh this was the best when they had an actual expert on the guy dr crop the guy with the uh, beard and mustache and glasses, who was one of the experts who testified at trial. And he gave, he uh, gave Casey the MMPI. Mm -hmm. And he said that, um... There were no signs of psychosis, yeah. no signs of any mental disorder, and then there was another doctor, Doctor Gold, who said the same thing: mm-hmm. no signs of whatever. So I don't know why, but this Doctor Crop went on Doctor Drew's show, oh, and cool. Doctor Drew said, "Well, do you think that Casey Anthony is a, a psychopath?" Mm-hmm. And Doctor Crop said, "No," and Doctor Drew lost his shit, and he's like, "What?" What? What do you mean? <laughs> How can you
1: say that? And see, this is, but this is the thing, right? This doctor, this Dr. Dr. Carl, remember this now, right? So this is the problem with it is because this is quote because journalism has now become entertainment, Um, And news and nightly news has become this entertainment. The thing is, that guy, the doctor, he's kind of like just your typical doctor. No, he's like a nerd. He's just going there going, no, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. And so what happens is, is that Dr. Drew's opinion and his persona gets gets to be bigger than him. Right. Like, Dr. Drew, you had this guy on your show. Why then if he says no to you, like have a conversation.
2: Well, and also, didn't you know he was going to say no? Did no one do a pre-interview the thing. Because trust me,
1: I was on the doctors <laughs> <laughs> and that they talked to me for so friggin long about everything I was going to talk about. And they ingrilled grilled me, grilled me with stuff. And so that's why that part doesn't make any sense because the producers know what your position oh, is yeah. before you show up. What I was trying to say earlier is part that is really up in the air is they are, because they're producing these shows, they're just looking for, oh, you're an expert in this, you're an expert in that. Okay, Mm -hmm. you come on, you're a doctor, you're, you know what I mean? And then these people are quote unquote experts now, right, of this particular case. And it's like, no. They're, in, they're, main, they're an expert in their field. They're just not an expert in
2: this case. Yeah. And that's the problem. Well, I'm so glad that Dr. Drew and Dr. Oz, and uh, they're no longer on the air. Is Nancy Grace still on the oh air? Oh, God, I think oh she is. God. Oh, and then there's that other woman who has the strange yeah. hair, the rooster I mean, hair. Yeah, she was very... She's awkward. awful, too. I mean, they're just awful. They, they shouldn't... And so... Uh, <laughs> shouldn't be allowed on TV. And you. then
1: there's, there's one... So next... Lee, the brother, testifies, I guess, on on the defense's side for Kaylee, saying that he came forward and said that when they had dogs that passed away in their family, that they would be wrapped up in a blanket, put in a, a garbage bag, and then the garbage bag would be wrapped up with duct tape. This is how the dad disposed of all the other animals they ever had, which is
2: exactly how they found Kaylee yeah and also he didn't really make any attempt to bury her Yeah, and because i think he wanted the body yeah, to be found of because he he wanted because he knew they were going to blame casey and he knew that he you know because he thinks he's so smart you know mr yeah, x Cop. he knew he had a plan yes, of how yeah. he was going to um frame her yeah and you know this is one of the saddest things Is, you know, when when Casey is describing when she finally has all her memories and recollections and everything sorted out and she tells the story about that day and and, you know, seeing her dad, I gasped when she said, Mm -hmm. you know, she said, I, I turned the corner and there he is, you know, holding her body. And she says, why didn't he call nine one one? I wasn't the only one at home, Mm -hmm. but I'm blamed for this and accused of it. And I didn't do it. Got his records. They never got his phone records. They got his phone records, (laughs) but not the cell tower records. Because here was another thing they were trying to pin on Casey. There was a lot of junk science. A lot. So she. Okay. So he, that day when Kaylee was killed, um, by george that's my belief yeah
1: well i want at the end i want to talk
2: about what, what do we both think that's okay because i have a theory all right i do too so on that day he was supposed to be at work i guess at, at three o'clock yes so they have um so at 249 someone logs into their computer at home and does a search for full proof um full proof um suffocation yes And there, they tried to pin that on Casey Mm -hmm. saying that, because I guess it was her password. And she's like, it was a family computer. We all had the same password. We shared a password. Mm -hmm. She said, I did not do that. And they said, well, there wouldn't have been enough time for George to um, have searched for that and then been at work at three o'clock. Well, who says he's at work at three o'clock? There's no proof he made it to work the police and the yeah and then to cover his tracks he then calls from his cell phone like um at three ten or something mm-hmm. he purposely calls the house from his cell phone to make it look like yeah but he could have been just around the corner dumping her body yeah. her body was literally dumped around the corner yeah. Yeah. And so they never, so they got, they never got to sell tower records. So we don't know where he was, but they have, mm-hmm. they have her records, cell tower records. And she was at home that whole time. She left at like four o'clock, went over to her boyfriend's house and didn't come back for like three weeks. Yeah. And that was the time that. okay and so next is one of my other favorite parts of the show so
1: then we go on to they had a woman named crystal Mm -hmm. testify who had an affair with george that's where crystal and george met one of the tents at a vigil vigil or yeah so george the grieving uh father and grandfather meets crystal and they start talking about missing children and kaylee and then they start they start an affair you you know even if you think george is completely innocent the guy is just the worst i mean come on and so she testified that george said to her it was I have written down "accident waiting to happen."
2: I I put down it was an accident that snowballed out of control. Oh, I don't know where I got "accident
1: waiting to happen," but um but basically, she testified that George admitted this. Right, said this. It was an accident. accident. Hello. Um, yeah. So so now we're you know and and then we're bringing we're coming back to they interview these cops from the beginning again talking about it and one of the cops said which I thought was so interesting was this cop admits all the family m- members lied to him every single one George Cindy Lee right Casey they all lied to him and then he says being a liar doesn't make you a murderer yeah that okay. was precious so so hold on but this is exact but that contradicts exactly what you said at the beginning of this process but at the beginning of this thing this, the series You say at the beginning, if you are a liar, you're pathological, and if you're
2: pathological, you're a murderer, Mm -hmm. right? So that's how they were treating Casey. She's a a liar, therefore she's a killer. Casey's a
1: liar, so therefore she's a killer. George is a liar, but that doesn't mean that you're a murderer. And there was definitely the fact that George was an ex-cop, and you see, we saw the, you know, we see the tapes from... Um, George being interviewed, that he's kind of leading them and he's, he's constantly like pushing them and moving them in certain directions. And that he, he came in and just like, oh, I'm a cop and we're in this together and we're buddies. and yeah, we're buddies, I want to help you. I want to help you. And all of that. And then, and then we flash towards 2019. And I didn't realize that George got into a horrible accident. Yeah. And he's in one of those huge braces and it's like, Jesus Christ, buddy, you look horrendous. You know, like this, this, you're going to go on Dr. Oz? Uh, at yeah. 20, like, oh, um, so weird.
2: Well, they're. And you just got this, I think they probably. Well, he, but. He, but he, and he tells Dr. Oz, he says, I need to be forgiven by <laughs> her, meaning Casey, and my son. And then Cindy immediately says, but it was an accident. And then, you know, Casey's watching this with the director, and she's like, What? What? Wait a what? She'd never seen this before. And she was like, Well, what does he need to be forgiven for? You know, that's that. She just wants to, you know, we're, it's like we keep getting with George, we keep getting so close. Yes. yes. we so close to him, you know, admitting something maybe on his deathbed um I guess he's still alive I think yeah that looked nasty
1: you know and then the the funeral oh my God that I had never seen scenes from this funeral I was like what what is this I thought I said are we starting to watch a religious program
2: yeah what is this that funeral and the guy singing and they wouldn't even let they wouldn't even let Casey come to the funeral which is really awful she's She's sitting sitting in jail
1: stars of the show and so, did you write down what the father said? Which yeah. says yeah. the greatest quote ever, which is, to get a hug from a small child that gives me energy like you couldn't imagine. Yeah. So, he describes, and this is what really bothered Casey, and it should bother anybody, which is the sweet smell of her sweat when she came back into the house. And the smell of her hair. And the smell of
2: her hair. Is that, if that's not pedophile language, I don't know what is. Yes. yeah uh, um, who says that i've never heard i've never heard an adult say that yeah ever ever, ever. i mean that's it's gross. gross especially a grandfather to your
1: granddaughter i mean i might hug my son and he kind of always smells a little gross and i always feel like ah, oh, you smell so sweet like a little puppy dog or whatever it <laughs> is but um you know i think that that's right you have those feelings but that's like this is a funeral for your grandchild. Like this is public. You must've written these thoughts down. Right, George. I mean, that's why it's so odd. Like this is, these are, these are your feelings and memories about your daughter.
2: Well, another creepy, another creepy thing he said, and I can't remember where he said it, but it was, it was like he was giving in some sort of interview on camera. Um, You know he his description of the day that the um maybe he was on the stand i think he was he was on the stand and the description of the day that you know when he last saw kaylee in the house was like too perfect mm-hmm. oh, and yes, yes he describing he described her outfit and talking about her cute little pink top and her jean shorts and her pink socks and her hair pulled back and it's like what huh again men never notice family. they don't notice any of that stuff because then with two boys they don't notice a damn thing because then the defense attorney says well what was cindy wearing that day <laughs>
1: And, and he hasn't looked at Cindy in years.
2: No, he's got other girlfriends, but he, of course, he couldn't remember what he, what she. Like, and he's <laughs> like, she about. It. He's <laughs> like, Well, how I, well, I know? Right. Like, <laughs> well, I if if you weren't, you didn't know that. If you yeah. didn't know that was the day that like uh Kaylee was going to die, then. Uh, yeah. yeah. Why would she even remember what she was wearing? So
1: then this is sort of the, the end of the third part is really where, and I get this, you know, you get the sense from Casey too, that she knew this was all coming to this head where she was going to have to talk about this, mm-hmm. of, you know, does, you know, does, does she think that her, her father molested Kaylee? And it sounds like, I think that, you know, I really feel for her cause she's just, you know, she doesn't want to believe it, but, everything goes there. Right. And, and that the death and what happened, you know, was connected with the father molesting and, um, Kaylee and it's incredibly, you know, painful and difficult to watch and, you know, really just, just having to watch her relive all of this and all of this come to her and to talk about it, um, more and more.
2: Yeah. And one other thing, um, before we talk about that, I just want to note that in the trial, they had an expert. Uh, the defense had an expert, Sally mm-hmm. Karyoff, who yeah. was a grief specialist for young people. And she said that young pe- young adults are reluctant grievers, and they shut down and pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, all this, yeah, all this constant questioning. Well, yeah. Why didn't she do Let me tell you something. I mean, even as an adult, and I can remember times when I was younger. Yeah, when something really shakes you, something really weird happens, I can't tell you how many times I've just swept something under the rug. Yeah. Just like, no, I don't want to think about that. Mm -hmm. That's a normal human response. And the worse, the, the, incident Mm -hmm. the more yeah you're just gonna shut down because the brain can only handle so much the brain's job is to keep you safe and to keep certainty and Mm -hmm. stability and that is just way too much for the brain to deal with
1: yeah i mean the thing is is that our brains right we're cave people in many ways so Mm -hmm. we operate on this place of fight flight freeze and so she very much, it sounds like she was in this state of trauma, anxiety every single day of her life. Yeah. And we hear this all the time with trauma survivors that they disassociate, that they, you know, push it aside, that they, you know, they have to find a way, you have to find a way to get through your days when you're dealing with all of this trauma. And this is one of the things that, you know, I wish lawmakers and people in power would focus on this more, because I really do think that we need to have um, we need, you know, your brain doesn't fully form until you're 25. And so we see all of these cases of kids with false confessions. We see, you know, Casey Anthony is a good one. Amanda Knox is another of these young people. And we need to treat them differently. We cannot, right. you know, I am so sick of people like, oh, they're 17. So we're going to try them as an adult or they're 16. It seems like if you're 15 and above, we're going to try you as an adult. My son just turned 15. He's far beyond. Yeah, able, yeah, well, he is not an adult and even though you're 18 and 21 and able to drink and able to you're eat, still not as all not completely developed this is why they won't let you rent a car until you're 25. yeah it's that, why you can't that rent should a car be the standard for <laughs> the standard should be 25 it really should be and so we need different laws for kids under from 25 on down and they're starting to see this more and more in the drug and alcohol world they're starting to create more um more programs for young adults. They're starting to create more of these things, but we need to have a different system or a different way of looking at these particular issues because someone who is 22, even though they're quote unquote, an adult is not going to react the same way that someone 32 is. Yeah. And that's just the end of that. So, so anyway, then he decided, I do want to hear your theory about what you think happened. I mean, okay. to Kaylee, but I also went and did a little semi-investigative journalism. All right. Because I was, it's not that investigative, <laughs> but I wanted to just sort of see, like, what are people saying about this and what's been really interesting about this now, documentary? about the documentary mm-hmm. about Casey Anthony. Is this going to change people's perceptions of her? Um, you know, how do people feel? And so I went to, like, I saw one article in People Magazine, they interview this former juror. And so the former juror is like, wait a second. They told us she would drown that's not right she lied they lied to us about that the juror was upset yeah that what really happened wasn't exactly what the defense said it was going to be and you're a little bit like did you not just watch the documentary yeah do, do you not understand everything that's happening here juror like it was so weird. And then another person in this was in touch, another great magazine. <laughs> Your sources are impeccable. <laughs> but, but I just thought these were so weird. Like another person said that they said, you know, someone sees Cam- Casey today and Casey likes to go out and still likes to go out and party and she likes to play poker with beer. I'm like, so do <laughs> I. <Like, laughs> yeah. What the? Yeah. So because she is. She's, she's thirty something years old. She's a single person, you know. And so what? She, Casey Anthony is never supposed. To right, never have fun today. a day in her life yeah, ever she's again. Not allowed to have fun, and I and after watching this, Casey's life is not fun. No, Casey's it's horrible. It's horrible, and and you. Have, I mean, I have to say that whole stuff between her and the defense team. And oh, the people that took, these people
2: She lucked out. Team, she really. We had to. The we had to. You, yeah, I mean. T- we have to talk about the defense team again yeah. at the end, because um, well, no, we
1: can talk about that. But that was my hard hitting journalism. Well, so that's, that's why I just got frustrated reading those things. Basically. Yeah. But you're not really paying attention. Do you know what I mean? We're back to this black and white thinking. Yeah. We want everything to be black and white. We want Casey bad. You know, mother should be like this. And, you know, blah, blah. However, we're seeing it. And I'm what people don't understand is we are complex. We are complex yeah. creatures who don't all react
2: and do things the exact same way well and that's what i love about a lot there's so many documentaries out now Re- okay. yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> well re-examining these old cases you know and and i'm like well thank god because you know we we need to people need to learn yeah to understand nuance yeah to You're not that's why what i'm looking yeah at i know things, I like these people Understanding. And because uh, I feel like watching this documentary, to me, it was sort of like seeing the case for the first time. Because yeah. like yeah. I said, I, I, I didn't pay any attention to it. And I, th- I knew that, you know, the odds were against her. So if a jury actually saw reasonable doubt and mm-hmm. didn't convict her, I thought, well, there must have been a lot of reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. you know, because juries don't yeah. typically uh, go that way. in these kinds of cases. So I thought, well, that's good. And yeah, the I can't remember who was talking about the juror statements, but, um, the juror statements after the trial, they said that the, the jurors really questioned George's involvement. Mm-hmm. They were suspicious of him and his selective memory. Um, they yeah. said he could be lying and that his story, um of that day was too perfect and so they they caught on yeah you know and that's the thing so it doesn't matter if she drowned or she died some other way the point is is that there was not guilt beyond a reasonable doubt for casey yeah so what does it matter how she actually died yeah she died again this juror is a real idiot i mean i don't even know if this juror
1: again it's people magazine i don't know what to tell you <laughs>
2: is yeah, it even people. a real juror <laughs> no, no, it's not,
1: you know none of this is real journalism i was just kind of surprised yeah. by people's reactions so you let's we're over an hour now so let's wrap up by okay. talking about what your theory is on how kaylee died and then we can we could let's end on a high note and talk about how the, great those the defense, people yes, yes. The defense team and i've forgotten the guy i should have written it down you're much better at writing down people oh i you? wrote oh then um the investigator took case pat mckenna in.
2: pat mckenna the real hero yes god the god bless her okay so what's your theory okay my theory is is that george did come into the room i think he did drug casey you know put something in her Mm -hmm. coffee or something i think he wanted to abuse kaylee i don't know if he'd ever done it before because you know like uh, casey testified about how she didn't really let her out of her sight so he wouldn't have had the opportunity so this might have been the first time that he did it took her out of the room tried to abuse her now one of the things that um casey said that he used to do to her when he was raping her at night when she was a child was that if she tried to protest at all or tried to you know fight back or say no he would take a pillow and put it over her head until she passed out Mm -hmm. and sometimes she'd wake up the next morning or a few hours later knowing like Mm -hmm. she could tell what had happened. So that's part of his MO. Mm -hmm. I think he, uh, you know, obviously the child is going to be making noise. I think he put a pillow over her head Mm -hmm. and, um, and killed her. Mm -hmm. And then I think he put her in the pool so that, and showed the body to Casey all wet, like she had been in the pool. So in case Casey did decide to call 911 cuz he couldn't stop her. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a chance his control tactics and his fear that you know she'd been living with wouldn't work in case she called 911, they could just say well it's an accidental drowning and as the as the defense pointed out and that's the leading cause of death for kids in Florida. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> okay people, I mean Jesus. So they could just say It was accidental drowning. The police would probably believe them and they would never do any kind of autopsy or find out how she really died. Yeah. Um, And that's that's what I think happened.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was going back and forth between did he smother Kaylee or did he give her the same drug? That he gave, because that's why I that's why I thought it was the middle of the night, because I was so confused about why she seemed so out of it. Mm-hmm. And so there was another part of me that kind of wondered, and that came back to this whole Clint thing and Xanax and Zanny the nanny and all of that. That um I was because obviously a lot of what Clint thought for a long time was George feeding stuff to him. So I thought maybe the dad drugged Kaylee too, and just because she's so little you know, gave her, gave her too much, much and that's how she died. So it was one of those two two things. What I understand is so if you're George and this happens and she's the wet, why call 911 right there? Like why not, you know, did, why not just call 911? Did that feel too difficult for him to be able to do? Like he wants control. He wants to control the narrative. He wants okay. to control the situation. This horrible things happen. You're telling your daughter she's drowned and then why not just call 9 Is it that he
2: wanted to... I just don't understand that. I think he wanted to be able to pin it on Casey definitively. And that, you know, this missing child and the finding the dead body and all of that would point so much more to Casey and the fact that she didn't report it. Yeah, okay. Because he was going to prevent her from reporting it. That's it. it. He, okay. he was, was, was going to prevent her from right. reporting it. Okay. String her along, make her look guilty. the pictures of her in the club yeah yeah um i just don't i don't
1: get the sense that george is that smart smart and diabolical and all of these other things but i mean tell you like white privilege white yeah
2: well yeah he pulled it off because he was buddy buddy once those police got involved those keystone cops those stupid detectives once they got involved he had them wrapped around yeah um his finger
1: yes all right so what uh let's talk about let's wrap up with the uh defense this amazing she really i mean you know she was she was dealt a very bad hand but she lucked out with this defense team like she got an amazing defense team of people who recognize that you know the first focus was so much on we've got to get her off we've got to you know get this not guilty verdict and then after she's acquitted they start getting death threats and the whole the whole team is like oh my god what do yeah we can't just release her
2: out into the world
1: because she's on probation for one year for lying to the cops so she could not leave the state of florida mm-hmm. and that is a, that's also a felony so she couldn't go to europe she couldn't get a passport and go anywhere
2: right she had to stay in the state of florida the state where people want her dead yes so yeah so um yeah jose baez you know he i was shocked he wasn't part of this documentary he Mm -hmm. seems to have kept a low profile um after this case probably smart he doesn't want to be known for this case necessarily because of all the negative connotations he's gone on to be very successful yes yes he's a very good lawyer very smooth did an excellent job um they all did you know this woman's really good yeah people this the their forensic expert dorothy clay sims Mm -hmm. she was great she explained how the prosecution was using a bunch of unreliable junk science Mm -hmm. this thing about the chloroform was a bunch of bullshit yeah um there was no chloroform on the bodies or the remains what's really interesting
1: was she was talking about the dogs and the dogs will get a scent
2: yeah but
1: if the dogs don't get a scent they don't they don't. Um, uh, that's not looked at either. So if the dog gets a scent of something, and I just want to say, like I have two dogs, and they bark at everything all the time, and well, these are trained dogs. <laughs> my but what I'm saying is, is it is very. I thought that was very interesting because. It's true. Like the dog can get a scent of something or anything and then immediately, oh, that's guilty. You know, then there's something, there was a body here. This is what's happening versus dogs go in and don't get a scent at
2: all. Well, and there was a second dog who didn't pick up anything. So it's a little bit of, Oh, well, we're going to believe the dog that got Right, case. of course. Why not? Yeah, yeah and there was um, there was no DNA on the duct tape. They made a big deal about how the killer duct taped the girl's well, head. Well, yeah, and everyone thought that she had duct tape across yeah. her mouth. Clint and Kate. Yeah, there yeah. was no, no DNA from anybody on the duct tape, which means the duct tape was on the exterior of mm-hmm. the bag, and in the process of, you know, everything decomposing and whatever, it... In probably animals and things disturbing it, it you know, unraveled. so anyway she she was excellent, and she um, who was the woman with the glasses? So that was Lisa Beth Fryer. Mm. So she was a lawyer. I think she uh, I don't know did she work for Cheney Mace? I don't know. She was one of the lawyers. She was great, and she, she was great. And she
1: also seems like very much has taken Casey in like a daughter, like right. like a sister, like a friend. She's there. And and that's the other part of this, too, right, with Casey is I'm always watching for who's on this person's side, you know, and what are they like? And I felt like all of these lawyers that were on her defense team, like these weren't slick people that are just trying to tell you something that you want to hear. They believed in her. They believed in her. And they were straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like people that you're like, okay, good. I can listen to you. I can rely right. on
2: you. Yeah, and um, Cheney Mason said that he said he had done over 350 jury trials in his career, and he says um, Casey Anthony is the only client I've ever had. You know, her her numbers programmed in my phone. You know, who I've ever maintained yeah. contact with. And so, and then Pat McKenna, the real hero. Mm-hmm. He Pat was McKenna. the investigator. He took um casey into his home yeah she had and nowhere to go she had nowhere to go so she, she had to keep a low profile they didn't want anyone to know that she was living there and she started working for him mm-hmm. um and organizing his office because he was kind of old school i don't think he really knew didn't have many computer skills yeah, she <laughs> <a> computer. <laughs> and got him on the inside and right a few other things for him organized his yeah. file organized his whole office him awesome with technology yeah and and so yeah and she said he is the person who if I ever got married mm-hmm. I'd want him to walk me down the aisle I mean yeah. it's her father figure yes at this point point. and yeah these people are just lovely people yeah. and that's her so, yeah. that's her family yeah yeah wow
1: Whew. what a whole ugh. this was a lot this three-parter but
2: yeah it was it's a lot of information and you know sorry if we didn't get everything exactly right i watched it twice and i took notes yeah and i still you know it's still it's hard it's hard to distill it down Mm -hmm. to an hour podcast yeah it's a lot of information and it's you know it's it's not linear Mm -hmm. you know you have to kind of go back and forth
1: yeah i mean when i watch these things i try very hard to like always come in with it with an open mind Mm -hmm. you know i had thoughts and feelings about casey anthony i really didn't know i did not have a a, a direct thought one way or the other if i thought she was guilty or not but when i first saw her and she's putting up the pictures of Kaylee you know she's very guarded she's chewing gum you know I was kind of like who is this person you know mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a sense of her but by the end you you very much she really opens herself up and really shows you like this is who I am and I do appreciate people that are willing to say all of these things over here that I did I lied I stole I did this like these things are true but you know, yeah but this is my tree,
2: and that makes this it much plan. makes it much more believable. If someone can admit that, you know, their flaws that they lied, whatever, that makes it much more authentic and believable as opposed to someone like George yeah, who boy. oh I everything is like this way and you know well, I'm such a wonderful such kid. a wonderful grandfather. All I care about is, you know the grandfather Kaylee. and finding her except when a pretty woman comes right, right. and I, I need
1: to can stop can have an <laughs> <affair>. <laughs> and have an affair. And then I'll get back to looking for Kaylee. Right. Unreal. Yeah. Well yeah. All right. Well <laughs> this is a long one. Thank you so much. Um for tuning in as always if you like this podcast please subscribe um and uh and also give us and leave us a five-star review and you're always welcome to email us at psych pop podcast at gmail.com give us your suggestions on some documentaries or anything that we want to cover we would love to hear it yeah thanks That's for it. listening all right we'll see you next time bye